Okay, good morning, Faith Fellowship. Good morning. Man, uh, it is good to be with you. First, before we get into our um, gospel series, this is just some pictures from last night at the karaoke night. And uh, if you didn't, man, a lot of you were there. Um, we were cutting up. It was some awful singing going on on stage. <laughs> I, you know, with myself and Pastor James and, and, uh, and um, Farrell and Justin, who have Nathan, uh, all of us, Sean, all on stage. Uh, we're missing words. And uh, yeah, it was, but it was a great time, man. Great time together. Great time with these strangers that we hope to transition into friends. So I want to say something about that. You know, there was kind of a statement that Miles had mentioned that this should kind of continue on. And one of the things that we want to do, just as we kind of uh, flip through those, actually, Rashad, would you just go through? I think it's only a few of them. And, um, and just you can kind of see, you know, one who's all there and all of that. But what we want to try to do is make some connections with some of the people that we may have met. Uh, one of the guys in particular that I can remember is because his name sounds like Paris, is Paras. And I said to him that, and he was like, everybody does that. I'm like, yeah, bro, that's sorry. That's the American mind association. <laughs> We're trying to get it. And so um, if you want to just try to invest in those relationships, okay, this is the way you want to do that. Miles is obviously the director. That's the person you want to contact. There will be other events probably that they will invite us to. Um, this is something I think church-wide we want to have the adult fellowships just be a part of more. And so um, the relationship that I have with Miles kind of led him to say, hey, Dale, what do you guys think about this? And so remember, we talked about this months ago, right? And so uh, it was just really exciting to see you all there, see the people there. And so, yeah, let's try to make good on this, see if we can get you know, dinners or coffee. Uh, if there were any names or anybody that you connected with. And, uh, man, that, I mean, these kids are, are sweet. And they, they love it when, you know, think about it. Their parents are away, thousands of miles away. And so when somebody just loves on them or has coffee with them or feeds them, uh, they're so grateful, okay? And so wouldn't it be nice just to um, take that opportunity and poten potentially the gospel will come out of that. And so just pray about that. Uh, pray about more times that we can, we can help out with FOI events and be a part of that and uh, maybe even see an adult installation of FOI in one of our fellowships. Ah, that'd be great. That's what we want. We're praying for that. Okay, so be praying about that, uh, that that would happen. And uh, yeah, now, if you have your Bible, be turning. We're going to look at um, election today. And you heard in my prayer, boy, I, this is, I, you know those times when Pastor Sam is like, I don't want to confuse you. This is that time for me today. Um, this topic is one of great debate, and some of you may not even know that there is even a debate about it. Uh, but you need to know, you need to understand kind of what's happening here. And so there is something you've heard us talk about which is uh, Calvinism. There are obviously some churches here that very strongly uh, are under the Calvinist you know, doctrine of theology in terms of how their church operates. And so if you're not really familiar with that, the first thing that I have for you 
uh, in looking at this is this is their five-point theology. Okay, it's called TULIP. And that TULIP, what it stands for, the T for total depravity, unconditional election, limited atonement, irresistible grace, and predestination. And so we talked about this before, just in that uh, the predestination aspect and what was actually being said from God's word. And so with this, I want to kind of, I, I have some quotes, and this is from the legionnaire.org website, which would probably be a governing body, I would assume, of the Presbyterian or Reformed Church. Um, and so, because you got to be careful with these sources. There's, there's some that are just going to like, if you're looking online, basically just try to cut them in half and, you know, they're villains and da-da-da-da-da. But you want to hear from their mouth, like, what do they think? So this is a quote <laughs> from um, Unconditional Election. It's disturbing for me. He says this, Unconditional Election says that God chooses to save some people and to pass over others. He has a love for some people that he does not have for others. If you are a Christian, it is because in eternity past, long before you were born, God chose to love you with his saving love. Now, there may be things already that you kind of hear that kind of make you uncomfortable when you read that, especially if we're talking about that God chooses to save some people and to pass over others. And kind of the idea is like, if you think about unconditional election, that would mean that the Lord has elected for some people to be saved and elected Inversely, for some people to be damned to hell. That is problematic. <laughs> okay? So just that concept alone is something we have to unravel. Uh, because the thing is, is like there are some leanings of this that feel very close to this. And for those of you that aren't, uh, I don't want to word this. You're not having conversations that are like this, that are, that are you're arguing or you're just, around. You're just showing up at church. You're just in discipleship. You're just doing your thing. Man, praise the Lord. Okay? They're on some level. Ignorance is bliss. But let me just be very clear. The Bible's position is that you know your word. You absolutely have to know your word. And this is a growing uh, interest for the public in terms of churches that they're attending. Of all of these, we could really look at just some of the, the different ways that this would be um, problematic. The total depravity aspect is there is some truth to it. Man is completely depraved and totally unable to even ask to be saved is where that's a problem. <laughs> because now essentially that says that in my depravity, I'm unable to get right with God through faith in Jesus Christ. Because it puts it solely on God alone. Okay, problematic. Limited atonement, that the blood of Christ was only for the shed elect. So now, this is not a covering that covers everybody. This is the only those people who are going to get saved. And so now, okay, there's, there's, a, there's a deeper thing that ends up happening with Calvinism. Probably, you know, any kind of ideology always has its, its roots that are like in a corner somewhere. Well, its root that's in the corner would be hyper-Calvinism, which would have a, a very adverse effect on evangelism. But even from the point of, if I'm saying limited atonement, essentially what that would mean is, let's say I share the gospel with Justin, 
he doesn't receive Christ, I'm done. And I'm like, well, sorry, buddy. Uh, okay, well, I guess the Lord damned you to hell. That's a problem. That doesn't turn into prayer for him. That doesn't turn into, <laughs> Lord, I'm begging you, please give me another shot. Give me another opportunity. It just basically says that it's over. That's, that is a mischaracterization of God's heart. And this is why we have to understand what it is that we're going to be looking at. And so with that, let's get into God's heart. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth, I should have underlined that one. If you got it in your, the means to do it, you should underline that. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That is absolutely God's heart. And it's absolutely, you see this component where it says believeth in him. Well, that means that unconditional election is inaccurate. And so we need to understand uh, what election is and what does the Bible actually say about it. And in 2 Timothy uh, 2, 14 through 15, it says this, Of these things put them in remembrance, charging them before the Lord, that they may strive not about words to no profit, but to the subverting of the hearers, to study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Guys, this is, <laughs> this is basically going to be the foundation of our key point and just everything else we're going to look at. And so here it is. The key point is this. It's critical to your growth that you learn the word of God for yourself. It is critical to your growth. Listen, you can't just stay where you are. God gave you a Bible for you to know it so that you'd understand where you are, what it's saying, and what it's saying specifically to you. And then, what are you going to do about it? There are promises, there are encouragements, all of those things are listed there, and if you don't have a good handle on that, then man, what happens in your life is you often end up discouraged and back in the place that you were. But here's the other side of that that's important to understand. Bad doctrine is subtle and enticing. Bad doctrine is subtle and enticing. 2 Timothy 4, 3 through 4 says this, For the time will come when they will not receive, excuse me, will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having each itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. See, remember I said this is growing, and the church is, and I'm not sure why, um, it's pretty easy to me, not like I'm some great scholar, but because we've been studying this in Romans 8, we talk about it quite a bit. I'm sure all of your other Bible studies, you're doing the same thing. And we're just talking about, man, okay, let's make sure we know the people group we're talking about. Let's make sure that we understand, you know, context. Let's not just look at one verse. Let's look at the verse around it, you know, all of these things. So it's, it's difficult for me to figure out why the, why the growth of this doctrine is growing, why these churches have many people 
young people are really attaching to this, um, it's a problem. It's really a problem. And so I wouldn't be doing my job as the leader of this fellowship if when we get to this that we just gloss over it. We have to talk about it and understand it. And this is the thing. I'm begging your prayers quietly for me. Please. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I want it to land on your heart so that it will have an impact on how you evangelize and how you live. That's my prayer. It's not just so that we can turn villains into Calvinists. Man, for the saved, those are, that's family. But it's still bad doctrine. So we got we to gotta unearth it. So let's begin. The first thing we want to look at is who is elect. Now, what I want you guys to do, just in terms of a homework project, is if you have Blue Letter, and I'm not sure if this will work on eSword, but I know the way Blue Letter works. If you put in elect and then an asterisk, it will pull up all of the variations of elect. Okay? So then you will see elected, elect, election, and elect. So what we want to kind of look at initially is Who's, who is elect? Because before election, there was an elect. And the neat thing is, is the very first mention of it is in Isaiah 42.1. It says this, Behold my servant whom I uphold, mine elect, and whom my soul delighteth. I have put my spirit upon him. He shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. And if we had the time, I would read the rest of it, and it would be very clear to you that this is talking about Jesus himself. So these are some of the notes that you need to get down just from this part. <clears throat> Excuse me. God's elect is Jesus, his servant. That's the first thing in the first one. <laughs> from this, you can take away that he is upheld. God's soul delights in him. The spirit is upon him. And it meant, when I read that, you know what, that immediately made me think of when he got baptized. <clears throat> and then it says he shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. Now, the one thing in terms of that judgment to the Gentiles that you need to understand is the Gentiles are clueless to some degree, in terms of God's glory and what that looks like. So they need to have that revealed to them, which is what Paul, we had when we studied Acts, remember, he would do that, and he would, they'd have those inscriptions like in Athens to the unknown God. He's like, no, let me tell you who God is. And he made it so clear to them, and then people are like, um, yeah, okay, Paul, let's get on with that. Okay, so... That's the first mention of. Now, the next time you see the word elect is in Isaiah 45, 4. And it says, for Jacob, my servant's sake, and Israel, mine elect. So you got Jesus, then you have Israel. I have even called thee by name. I have surnamed thee. Thou hast not known me. Now, what's interesting <laughs> about the elect here for uh, Israel it does not have the same glowing statements around it. But we need to understand this. Israel nationally is God's elect. Okay? So you for sure want to get that down. Israel nationally is God's elect. But God says of them, thou hast not known me. Now, this is Isaiah 
We know that clearly they are familiar with who God is. We've seen what God has done throughout their lives, but nationally, their heart position is still one of, uh, well, we don't know each other. We're not tight. So you have key people out of that group, right? Whether we're talking about Moses, David, Solomon, patriarchs, all of that, right? But that's not the whole group. So when he's talking about this here, it's important for you to know he's talking about the whole group. And we'll have to revisit that later once we get a little bit further down the line. See, the thing is that you have to understand something. And I, I, I didn't put this in your notes, but you can put this down. It's just the original time that this was mentioned. Gen- Genesis 12, 1 through 3. I'll just read it to you. It says, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee, and I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. Oh, wait a minute. That's kind of an important part of what Israel's job is. See, the thing is, is that before Jesus Christ became the light of the world, essentially the light of the world would have been through Israel. So now it's important for you to kind of understand something in terms of where the Lord is saying what he's saying about their position. They haven't, have they done that? In a physical sense, no. But in one sense, yes, because of Jesus Christ. He's a part of that seed. And does he, does he not bless the world? So you can understand something here is just kind of, again, we're just, we're just setting this up, okay? Then, in terms of looking for the elect, now it's all the way to the New Testament. So we got Jesus, the nation of Israel, okay? So now we're in Romans. Romans 8, 28 through 33 says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called, very important, who are the called according to his purpose, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called, them he also justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up, for us all, man, there's some more spaces I should have underlined. Right there. <laughs> How shall he not, you know, shall, me and shall, we're buddies. I like shall. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? And then it says, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Okay, who is it? The elect here is the church. Now, if you notice... What we're not talking about is individuals. We are talking about groups. There was one individual that is elect. You see? Okay, Jesus, you got that? So now then there's a group that's elect and then another group that's elect. Does it make sense? Okay, because the thing is, no one of us would be awesome without Jesus Christ. Right? So this is why the Bible sets you up so well. The other thing is, you have to understand, when man responds, you become God's elect. So notice that we had mentioned that there was a call that goes out. Okay, so the one thing that the unconditional 
election kind of alludes to that obviously there's this predetermined thought process that God has. That's true. It is. But there's a call that goes out where the Lord is leaving it for man's free will to make a choice to believe on the name of Jesus Christ. For them, that's determinism. In their minds, they would say that would be works-based because they want it to be solely on God alone that it's, it's him that has made that choice and that man has no kind of a play in that. And I get kind of where they're coming from because, you know, it's like this thin thread that would say that, you know, somehow that I have some influence over God. Okay, we understand that, that that's not what's being said there. Ultimately, the Lord has put a call out because why? He doesn't wish that anybody should perish. But if I don't engage it, guess what I chose? I chose condemnation. That's the state that I'm in. So what I'm choosing when I choose the Lord is to get out of that. You see what I'm saying? I don't understand why this is challenging for our brothers. God help them. 1 Timothy 5.21, another group. I charge thee before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect angels. You thought, you're like, man, what about those guys? Now they're in there. That thou observe these things without preferring one before another, doing nothing by partiality. Okay, these angels are not all angels. The mention of them being elect is important. Now, I don't, we don't have time to look at this, but I want you to get down. And uh, Rashad, you can go to the next slide. 2 Peter 2, 4, and then Jude 1, 6. These are the angels that left and went with Satan. And the Lord judges them. Okay, so we're talking about when Paul had mentioned in that 1 Timothy 5.21, I charge thee before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect angels that thou observe these things without preferring uh, one before another, is essentially the, this is the heavenly host. These are the ones that obey. These are the ones that stay with God. Now I hope, now let's just get a recap here. Man, why did I make that a slide? Um, okay, so stay right here for a second, Sean. Okay, get this down. So our recap is this. Jesus, the nation of Israel, the church, and the heavenly hosts are all elect. Jesus, the nation of Israel, the church, and heavenly hosts are all elect. Now, make sure you get this down. All of them are servants of God. You think about it. This is something that, and you know, I know, again, this is like an uncomfortable space when you say, Jesus is a servant. Yes. What did he say? I came to fulfill not my own will, but the will of my Father who sent me, right? Now, get this down of those all have a purpose to fulfill. Okay, so if God's elect, this is not you just get elected and then go sit in a corner and wait and just hang out and chill. No. Okay, so again, that recap was Jesus, the nation of Israel, the church, and heavenly hosts are all elect, all are servants of God, all have a purpose to fulfill. Now, let's look at the word election. Okay. There are six 
entries in your Bible. Uh, now we can go. Let's go to the next. Uh, yeah. And uh, just stay right here for a second. Okay, so that's going to be Romans 9-11. I'll just give them to you. Romans 11, 5 and 7 and 28. That was Romans 11, 5, 7 and 28. Then 1 Thessalonians 1, 4. <clears throat> and then 2 Peter 1, 10. So now we know who his elect are. Now we have these observations we need to pull from the terminology election, okay, so that we can properly understand what it is that's being discussed here. So let's start with the first one, Romans 9:11. For the children being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand, not of works, but of him that calleth. Okay. Now, this is in the middle of a thought, and it's in a paragraph, so it's, like, really confusing, right? For the sake of time, let me just tell you what's being said here. The promise was told to Rebecca that her elder child shall serve the younger. Okay, now listen. That is two nations in her womb, right? Okay? You have Edom and you have Israel in her womb. So, essentially, what's being said here is that, ultimately, obviously, Edom will end up serving Israel. Okay, now, remember what I said about the promise about Abraham? This is a thing that the Lord is just, in terms of carrying something out, he's making good on a promise he told Abraham already. That this is going to, I'm like, when the Lord makes a decision, it's done. So this thing is set in stone, irregardless of the super sketchy way <laughs> that uh, uh, Jacob gets the birthright. Right. Like, you know, we kind of he's like the you might have to check your pockets. Don't leave one hundred dollars on the table. Kind of. <laughs> you know. OK, so God didn't make this decision because of anything the kids had done. This was decided before they were born because of that promise that had already been given to Abram. But here's your takeaway. Get this down. Election is not just awarded. OK. Because if it was awarded, that means I did something to earn it. Okay? So this is, now, Calvinists would probably, you know, they want to set a quiet amen right there. Because in their viewpoint, that's the whole thing, right? It's like, this is all on God. Man has no, and so because this is a pre, like these kids are, we're giving you this narrative, these, these things are going to happen, but this is built upon a promise already. Now, what I would say back to them is, did Abram or did he not respond to a call by God to go and leave? Okay, so what are we talking about? The call is still this thing that has to happen. If Abram doesn't do that, it's somebody else. It's a different set of kids. You see what I'm saying? Like there's, a, there's dynamics to this that you can't just try to heap on it and say, oh, well, God is making these choices, and basically, well, the people are just down here, good luck, you know, good luck, hope God loves you. No, come on. The call was put out, he responded, in faith, 
which is why he is the father of the faithful as much as he is of Israel. Anyway, Romans 11.5. Next one. Even so, then, at this present time, also there is a remnant according to the election of grace. Now, for those of you that are in one of our Bible studies, you know we're in the section of Romans that is dealing with Israel. Is it not? Can I hear a man, a man from the group? Okay. So this is talking about a future Israel salvation. Election is possible. The thing you've got to understand right here, your takeaway from right here of our observance. Election is possible because of God's grace. Again, our Calvinist brothers and sisters would be like, amen. <laughs> and so you got to have that. It's not something that you can work to earn. And it's got to be from God's grace. Okay, what about the third observance? Okay, this one is a little more complex. Romans eleven seven. 7. <clears throat> what then, question mark, Israel hath not obtained that which he seeketh for, but the election hath obtained it, and the rest were blinded? Okay, now, did we or did we not see early on before this was written in Romans here that Israel is elect nationally? Yes, okay. So Israel is already elected. So then what do they seek to obtain? See, the thing is, is like, they already got this title. So you have to understand when you're looking at this, like, what are we talking about? Which is why you'd have to have the rest of the context. So here it is. It's salvation because nationally they haven't been saved yet. You see that? So God has like this probably like a calendar with an X on it like, yeah, that day. It's a good day. I get my kids. See, because why? Israel lacks faith in Jesus Christ as a Messiah. So they haven't seen a national salvation. Does that make sense? Okay, so you've had just individuals that show faithfulness and they move forward and man, it was God just moving in their lives. It was awesome watching them. We can read about all their stories and what's happening. But again, nationally, that has not happened. So they have not obtained something that we actually have as an advantage. And then there's something that we have yet to obtain. Okay? So if that's the case, then what does the election have that they don't? Salvation by faith. They don't have that nationally. We have salvation by faith. But here's the thing that we don't have that we are still waiting for is redemption of this horribleness <laughs> of this frame. OK, so this is that whole kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven. And I don't want to get into the weeds right here. <laughs> OK, just for the sake of me bringing it up. But ultimately, the Lord will save us also that way physically and we'll spend eternity with the father, whereas there will be an establishment for Israel nationally on the earth as Jesus, as the president of the world, okay, which was going to be glorious. And essentially what will happen is kingdom of heaven and kingdom of God will be simultaneously in the same spot. And it's going to be incredible, okay? So there's this incredible thing that's, that's taking place right there. Okay. So in terms of just in terms of this election have not attained, there is still something yet 
for you even. Okay, because why? We are the church. We are part of the elect. If you believe on the name of Jesus Christ, you are the church. The thing that you're waiting for is still salvation. Salvation of the body. Okay, that's the thing that you're waiting for. Your Lord, please give me that. Okay. Now, Romans eleven twenty eight. As concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sakes, but as touching the election. They are beloved for the Father's sake. So now, concerning the gospel, Israel nationally is an enemy of the gospel. Yeah. That's a difficult spot for us. You know, so you can see that actually currently with, uh, I can say, the Hatifa guy's name, right? Is that okay? So with Evan and the work that he's doing in Israel, Recently, uh, things have kind of picked up in terms of just disagreements between the groups. Um, I, don't, I think that he is wise in terms of how he's doing what he's doing in the business that he runs with their dentistry, but they try to use that as a platform to get the gospel out. And so then they also support Christian families. This is because they are outcasts in society in Israel. So you see that there is war here. So when he's making that statement, guys, this is true still today. Concerning the gospel, Israel nationally is an enemy of the gospel, but now the election is by faith in Jesus Christ, so then God's enemies become those that he loves. See, what Jesus did is open the door to something very interesting. So yes, while on some level it is important for us to know doctrinally that the Lord is going to rescue Israel nationally, if any one of them got saved right now, the Lord would say, granted, you're in, Okay? And they would just be a part of the church, this church. Oh, not like MBT, but the universal church. <laughs> right? And so, and then essentially, they're, they're, the thing they would be waiting for in terms of what they would be trying to obtain would be the same thing that we are, which is that last part, redemption of the body. Okay? The Lord would just take them home instead of like some weird thing where it's like, well, he'd leave them here. No, 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 no. <laughs> it would be the same. It would be, they would just move into that. So now think about it. While they are enemies of the gospel, the Lord still has the gospel out there in order to be a way to woo them. So there's the promise nationally, but individually, the Lord is like, I, you, can, you can do it now. There's an opportunity right now. This is huge. Very big deal. See, the gifts, in the, and I love this, and especially, and man, I, I am just going to go there and look at it. You guys go with me to Romans 11. Okay, now, so check it out. In verse 29. So we'll start in 28, and then we'll just read down a little bit, just so you can see kind of how the, the beauty of this really and just God's heart. As concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sakes, but as touching the election, they are beloved for the Father's sake. For the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. Boy, that verse, it was ours. I was like, what are we talking about? <laughs> okay. The gifts and calling of God come from a place of love first, not repentance. So the Lord is offering something to them before they actually make the choice to be repent. So, like, think about it. It's like I didn't ask the Lord, Lord, would you create Jesus Christ so I can have a way to get out of hell? No. He sent his son, and then I responded. You see what I'm saying? So it's the same thing. This is why that gifts and the calling. Now this calling is out here. It's like, Israel, listen. Hey, 
Accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Come on. You can do that. You can do this. It's, it's, on the, it's on the table right now. We got the Bible. We got Romans Road. We got whatever you need in order for you to have that gospel. And yet, nationally, because, man, they are so, like, dug into their traditions, they just, I mean, no, I'm not going to do it. For God hath concluded them all in unbelief, that he might have mercy upon all. So listen, this is that, this now we're going back to something in terms of this wrestling match. What Calvinism tries to do is say to the individual, and what I'm showing you is that the Bible is telling you we're talking about groups, big groups, right? So if we're talking about a big group, this verse, Romans eleven thirty two, for God has concluded them all in unbelief that he might have mercy upon all means that there is a call to all to get saved. It doesn't matter if you're Jew or Gentile, where you come from, what your background is, who your mom and dad is, it don't matter. It don't matter. The thing is, is salvation is an option for you. You can take it. But guess what happens if you don't? You spend an eternity separated. And this is the part, in terms of how we guide our prayers for Israel, one of the things that you want, you got to think about now. So we know their salvation is near. We know that it will be national. It will be epic, on a better than any Michael Bay movie ever has depicted any explosions. Okay? Epic. But here's the deal. What about the ones that are dying in their sin? You see what I'm saying? This is not a small matter. This is not something that the church should just take its salvation and all that God has given us and then just ignore the fact that there's a people group that is elect that the Lord wants very much together and they're refusing to do it until he shows up. So how many generations get lost? Guys, we have to have a burden for them. And we get a beautiful opportunity at MBT to support what Evan is doing or to go visit, or to go see it. This is why I'm trusting the Lord, Serena and I, to go to Israel and so, I, so I can see it. I need to see the people. I want to eat with them. Man, I don't, I don't know what kind of tears. I, I had it in Malawi, obviously, African-American, stepped foot on African soil. It just, it was something. It will be the same for Israel, because that's also my home. You know what I'm saying? Like these people. Come on, be with Christ. Yeah. You've got to be praying for Israel. Okay. 1 Thessalonians 1.4. Knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God. Oh, that's just real short. <laughs> okay, so let's just go over there just so you can see it for your own eyes. 1 Thessalonians. One four. Okay, so how this started, and you can just kind of be running your eyes over it. Obviously, he's saying Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus unto the church of the Thessalonians. Oh, wait a minute. Okay, now we're not we're not talking about Israel. Now we're talking about Gentiles again. Okay, cool. What else? Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith 
and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and of our Father, knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God. For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance. I love that statement. As you know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. Okay, so your takeaways right here. It's written to the church. The gospel came to them. Verse 5. Okay, and all he's doing is kind of just going on and on about how they received it. The gospel came. They become followers of the Lord, verse 6. They receive the word, verse 6. So, they're, oh, guess what? Do you mean that there can be a call that goes out and then people can respond to it? It's not like the Lord just says, ah, well, any, many, money, mo, you get to go to hell. You get to go to heaven. No. The call goes out. People respond to it. Whoever is going to respond to it. Some people are late bloomers. <laughs> and they will be later in life. Some of them got to be near death. Some of them got to get sick. Because people are hard-headed. And they think God has planned. And so when they are like within an inch of their life, they're like, well, wait a minute. Um, maybe this is some, there's some truth to this. And so, however, this is why we got to be there ready to give that message. Okay? So it's important there is that the gospel came and they received. This is how they move into that. And so then the last one, kind of a weird group, like this hybrid group, Second Peter, first, uh, first, Second Peter, chapter one, verse 10. Okay. Now it says, wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. Uh-oh. Now we got two things here to look at. Okay. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. Okay. So this calling, notice that the calling is mission before the election. The Lord is, listen, the Lord does not play around with word placement. If he placed it like that, it's because it's on purpose. So now what happens before this election? The calling goes out. Remember, I already clarified that for you with Israel. The calling goes to Abraham. He moves. His descendants become the seed line by which these promises are carried out. If he doesn't do that, like I said, we got to get somebody else. He responded. That election comes through the seed because now God has promised something to the seed. So all the rest of these cats just afterwards get to benefit from that. But what he wants, obviously, for them to do, the fathers and mothers of the, of the seed, right, to invest the word in them. So it can have a response, kind of like what Moses' mom did. Man, it was incredible that Moses' mom got a chance to raise him. You don't think that she's whispering, you're not an Egyptian. You're not an Egyptian. Remember that. And then when he took, the, well, you know, he took it in his own hands, and that didn't work out well for him. But ultimately, he responded. So you don't think, see, this is the, this is the beauty of what the Lord is doing behind the scenes with the seed. As he's investing this word, he's doing this all along, right? And we're getting a chance to see that, man, there's a call. There was a call for Israel to become the nation that we now know them to be. There's a call out to us. And from that, you get this choice. Okay, but now let's just understand a little bit of what we got right here. Okay, calling of God the Father and Jesus the Son to Israel, right? 
Okay, so we can think all the way back to that would be the law and that would be the person of Jesus Christ as Messiah. Okay, that would be the call to Israel in terms of, hey, live your life, be submitted to me, follow me, love me, obey me, right? Okay, then election of God by Israeli nationality and by faith in Jesus Christ. So you could have, you know, you could get like the duality of that, which would be, it's kind of sweet, (laughs) you know. I don't, I'm not saying that there's some better perks of that. It's just, it, it'd be kind of neat, you know, is that you have those two things. Okay, but listen, these two things are to be diligently lived out. Now, in 2 Peter 4, uh, uh, 1, 4 through 8, it tells you how to do that. Okay, so now, just listen to me. It says this, whereby are given unto us, talking about Israel, exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And beside this, beside those precious promises, beside that being this partaker, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity, For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, you just gave me the roadmap for how to live a godly life. And here's the weird thing. When you're listening to that, you can kind of there. Okay, so, you know, all the Bible's not written to you, but all of it, you know, you know, you can get and gain and glean from. So in this case, I get an opportunity to learn something else very important about the elect, is that they live godly lives. That's God's heart. See, the thing is this, and that, and that now, some people could obviously fall stray of that, and we want to always encourage people to do that, and God still loves them. That doesn't change their position as elect. But the thing that you want to do in terms of obedience, from a position of obedience, is you want to be uh, used of God and be a servant of God. What did I tell you about the elect before? They're servants of God. If we had to look at all of those other, of the 27 entries total, that's elect, elected, election, what you would find overarching is that they're servants. Okay, so there is something that the Lord is calling you to do. Again, this is not about you just hanging out and waiting for the Lord to just come and get you. So then here is this election. This is my definition of that. (laughs) Just looking at everything that we talked about. It's God's choice by grace through faith. Because why? I put, there's conditions on it. I have to have faith. The act of me being in the election is because I've taken a position of faith in Jesus Christ. It's there. It's on the table. It's in front of me. But if I don't take it, I don't get it. And I don't get to blame God because of where I end up in eternity separated from him. Because the call went out. And it was given by grace. So, yeah, you didn't earn it. It's granted to you. Not rewarded. The Lord has granted this to you now because of that position of faith that you have. 
This is why we cannot land on this spot of unconditional election that basically just makes God the orchestrator and like you have no say-so in it, like you're a robot. But then that robot would be destined for hell, at least some of them. No, listen, nobody, because, okay, the, the flip side of that, I was thinking about this, of how we would say Ephesians 2, 8, 9 in reverse. Okay, so let's look at it. Okay, so now it's not grace. It would be this, for by judgment are you condemned through unbelief. Right? For by grace are you saved? For by judgment are you condemned through unbelief. And then I would have to say, <laughs> it's not my, and it's God's fault. Can I say that to him? I can't say that to him. I don't get to tell him that this is your fault, that I ended up in hell. This is why that doctrine has to be thrown out. You can see the splinter from that has turned into this hyper-Calvinistic viewpoint that would now basically say, I don't need to even share the gospel because the Lord will pick. If I'm a servant, what am I doing here still? You understand? The Lord left you here for a reason. It ain't just because you're cute. You got work to do. You are a messenger. You are a carrier of the call. That is huge. You don't get to pick and choose or be frustrated by the lack of response of the public. Man, that's, that should bring us to a place of desperation. It's like I was saying about Israel. It's so easy in the States to just be so disconnected from the issues that they have. But understanding what we know of the word, man, there are many millions of them that are going to hell until the Lord shows up. That's terrible. We should be uncomfortable by that. And so listen, here, practical. This should affect your evangelism. If the heart of this class is that essentially we want to establish shepherds and evangelists, then this affects your evangelism. We got to be praying, y'all. We got to be praying for utterance. We got to be praying for opportunity. We got to be praying that we understand the word of God like in, in whatever layers are necessary. And we know that our presentation is not the thing that gets people saved. But man, we just going to come up against different individuals. And we want to be ready because you have the message. You are benefiting from it right now. If the Lord took you right now, man, <laughs> you're out of here. It's better for you. We spend time at funerals crying for what? They're like kicking it, <laughs> clicking heels like the Toyota commercial in the 80s. I don't remember. <laughs> That's the thing. This affects your evangelism right now. Man, we got to be desperate for people. We got to get in front of people. We got to have dinners and coffees. But now, on the flip side, if you are a servant, this affects your shepherding. Perhaps your silence of the gospel isn't because of fear, but because of shame. And you live a life that doesn't reflect what it is that you said that you believe on. 
And now there's some things maybe in your life that you need to cut off and get away from and move away, just like it tells you to mortify the deeds of the body. See, man, listen. We can't, we got to be careful of the, of the doctrines we just run up next to. Because it has a, it's, a, it's a thing there to lull you to sleep. Man, you got to have urgency. And I can't manufacture that for you. I can't make you care more. I can't make you want to, to you know, show up at an FOI thing. And it, this is not to belittle or whatever the people that didn't make it, you had something else to do. That's fine, man. Praise the Lord. There will be other opportunities. Will you stand up to that? Or is it always going to be my money, my kids, my spouse, my job? Like, listen, those things are traps. They are traps to just distract you and make you think that, like, the Lord has shorted your life out somehow. So how does election help you? You are the elect. That's how it helps you. Man, live a life that reflects what it is that you said you agree to. You believe that he is the son of God. If he is the son of God, then he is your Lord. Does he have all of you? And I, listen, me and the Lord wrestling <laughs> over this. Because again, I want it to be clear to you, but I want it to impact you. I don't want it to just be information. Yeah, you could have done this study on your own. So what does he have me up here like a fool talking loud. It's because, man, this is everything. And you were granted something by God's grace. And he made you a part of something bigger than you will ever be that was before you and will be after you. And now he says, son, daughter, man, carry my message out there. Hey, Tighten up your life. What, what is this stuff you got going on here? Why do you let these thoughts permeate your mind all the time? Why don't you cast them down? Why don't you think on these things? This is why the Bible has these verses there. It's because you don't think right. You don't do right. I don't do right. I'm saying I'm guilty. I'll be first in line. Okay? This is not to try to make you feel bad. It's just to wake you up. Because, man, we got to get to it. People are dying and going to hell around us. And, man, I would much rather they would trip over us. So, listen, Bible study, man, I'm not telling you to show up just because I think it's cute for you to show up and it makes me feel good. No, it's because I want you to learn the word so that you'll give it. The more time you get with it, the more comfortable you become. Okay, so, man, y'all hear me this morning? I don't have a voice. So now you ain't going to hear me because I can barely talk. <laughs> but, man, I, listen, this is, a, this is a, a, a clumsy conclusion. But listen, if you responded to the call and God chose to put you a part of the elect as a result of your response to his call, would you consider living like that? Just living, sold out to that. And you're going to mess up, and you can ask for forgiveness, and, you just, and the Lord will grant that to you, and, you'll, and you just try again. And every day, you just try again. Okay, can we, can we trust God for that? Can we ask the Lord to help us 
live faithfully? Because, man, we need some help, don't we? It's hard. You don't feel like it. I mean, you know, there's brunch to be had, not come to church. I get it. Bacon over Bibles. <laughs> Never bacon over Bibles first. So but you can have some bacon after Bible. <laughs> Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I do uh, just thank you uh, again. And Lord, this is uh, very much just for me. Um, Lord, I'm convicted by just the, man, I just forget. You know, I think we all do, Lord. We just forget how good we have it, what we actually have, what we, what's inside of us, what we have in our word, what we have in opportunity by the commandment of, of scripture from uh, the Great Commission. And, uh, and so then, Lord, we just sometimes, we just, sometimes we just don't do it. Lord, help us um, to see the beauty and majesty of your word, what it is that you have called us to, and, Lord, the opportunities that are available. Lord, help us to understand that, Lord, you haven't just made all these choices, and basically they're already predetermined choices. Lord, that you give us an opportunity to see that we are depraved and then to ask out of it. And thank you uh, for that uh, exit strategy in Jesus Christ. Without him, we're, we're, we're toast. And so, Lord, thank you for Jesus. Help us to just live according to your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.